This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Few rulers stick out from the pages of history like Queen Victoria. She was almost larger than life, so much so that the time period she lived in took on her own name, the Victorian era, and what a time it was. During her 62-year reign, the world changed dramatically. The British Empire expanded around the globe, and the modern constitutional monarchy as we know it today took shape and matured. The world saw the first powered flight, the invention of the telephone, and went from paintings and horse-drawn carriages to photography and automobiles. Queen Victoria impacted Europe in a very particular way, too. She and Prince Albert had nine children, and between them were 42 grandchildren, and that family tree spread wide. Today, five European countries have monarchs that are descended from Victoria, including Queen Elizabeth II. Clearly, she left her mark on the world. Victoria and Albert were a beloved couple, and it was hard to blame the public for that. Prince Albert was a man that leaned toward the progressive side of the political scale. He helped influence reforms in the areas of welfare, slavery, and education, along with the ever-expanding world of manufacturing. And of course, what royal family would be complete without multiple palatial homes to live in? There was Kensington, of course, and everyone knows Buckingham Palace. But in 1851, the Queen added one more house to that list, down on the northern tip of the Isle of Wight. They called it the Osborne House, and it served as a summer home. But summer turned to winter. In 1862, at the age of just 42, Prince Albert died, leaving Victoria all alone. What happened over the next four decades has sometimes been described as the birth of a culture of death. She wore the black of mourning for the rest of her life and made sure that the servants never stopped taking care of Albert's daily needs, even though he was no longer alive or even in the house. When her children eventually married, each of them posed for wedding photographs that included a bust of Albert. She never slept in a bed that didn't have a photo of him beside it, and kept a plaster cast of his hand so that she could hold it. In fact, when she passed away in 1901, that hand was placed inside her coffin. It's fair to say that Albert's death altered her completely, and not in a healthy way. The most interesting obsession of her later years, though, was not discovered until after her death. When Osborne House fell into the hands of her son and heir, King Edward VII, he explored the areas of the house that had been off-limits to anyone other than his mother. And there, behind locked doors, he found an unusual display. 
Hundreds of photographs that covered generations of people Victoria had known. Portraits of people who had been important to her, right there in the house where she could visit whenever she wanted. Despite the fact that these photographs spanned decades, and each one showed the face of a different friend or family member, there was one common feature tying them all together. None of the subjects were alive. Queen Victoria's secret gallery was a morbid tour of the most haunting and final moments of each person's life. Their funeral. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Transatlantic ocean liners have been around since the early 19th century. Back in those days, they were powered by steam. It was the steamship SS Savannah that made the first steam-powered Atlantic crossing in 1819, reaching Liverpool in just 27 days. The trouble was, they only used the steam engine for about 72 hours, managing the majority of the crossing with their sails. In 1833, the Royal Edward used steam power for 75% of their crossing, but it wasn't until four years later, when the SS Sirius tried to top the record. They made the crossing in just 18 days, which was amazing, but they used up all of their coal in the process, 
In fact, they ran out before they reached New York and had to break up wooden furniture to burn to keep the engine running. All of these were relatively small ships. They carried passengers, just not a lot of them. But as the decades ticked by, everything advanced. The engines, the passenger capacity, even the communication technology. By the 1870s, companies like the White Star Line were building massive ocean liners. That's about the time when crossing the ocean became a luxury trip, too. Those first White Star Liners were decked out with first-class cabins, running water, electricity, you name it. And yet, while there was a lot of promise and hope for these growing palaces of the waves, there was also a lot of risk. Oceans were unpredictable and temperamental, after all. A lot could go wrong. Somewhere along the way, they built the big one. I'm going to give you some numbers so you can put it into perspective. This ship was 800 feet long and had a displacement of 45,000 tons. Those who bragged about her said that she was unsinkable. And I get the hint behind a claim like that. It's meant to give future passengers ease of mind, but it certainly smacks of hubris, doesn't it? I mean, no ship is truly unsinkable. Maybe because of oversight, or perhaps because of that grand claim of unsinkableness, builders didn't outfit the ship with enough lifeboats. And that's the sort of thing you do if you want to tempt fate, isn't it? So it's going to come as no surprise when I inform you that this unsinkable ship didn't survive her maiden voyage. On a cold April night, about 400 miles off the coast of Newfoundland, the ship was cruising through the dark Atlantic waters at about 25 knots when it struck an iceberg. The massive block of ice tore a hole in the side of the ship, and then the unthinkable happened to the unsinkable. It sank. The loss of life was devastating, perhaps made even more painful in light of that prideful claim about the ship's safety. But that wasn't the most surprising thing about this nautical tragedy. No, that mantle falls to one other piece of information that will, pardon the pun, sink your expectations. You see, this event never happened. In real life, that is. Because this ocean liner was nothing more than the setting for a novella written by an American author named Morgan Robertson. Which probably fooled you, didn't it? Because you were assuming I was talking about the Titanic this entire time. You know, the unsinkable ocean liner that struck an iceberg in the North Atlantic and sunk to the bottom of the ocean in April of 1912. Nope. I fooled you with a bit of fiction. But there's more, and it's less funny than it is bizarre. Because you need to know two other things about Robertson's fictional ocean liner. First, it was named the Titan. Crazy, right? Second, though, and most amazingly of all, his story was published in 1898, 14 years before the tragedy of the real ship called the Titanic. I know it's cliché, but every now and then, even the worst cliché proves itself true. Sometimes life really does imitate art. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. 
I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.